This week, Pure Nova and Thai Silicon Valley hosted the event Building Trust and Transparency by Leveraging Blockchain, featuring industry leaders within the space. In a few moments, you will hear the event's fireside chat between Pure Nova's president and CEO, Gangesh Ganesan, and Pure Nova's director of marketing, Naveed Jafari, as they discuss digital transformation within the financial industry, specifically data, DLT, and tokenization. Let's get started. You are listening to Pier Nova's Chain in the Valley, where we discuss all things blockchain and DLT over our morning coffee. Here are your hosts, Sonia and Naveed. Okay, guys, thank you so much for sitting down. Uh, do you want to give us a quick introduction, and then uh, we'll dive in. Uh, thanks, everyone. Uh, thanks, Naveed. Uh, it's, uh, it's just sort of great to be uh, here in front of this audience. Uh, you know, been um, you know presenting at Thai uh, in the last couple of uh, Thai editions. Um, so my name is Gangesh Ganesan. I'm uh, founder and CEO of uh, Pianova. Uh, we started the company in 2013. So it's been a long journey, six years. Uh, you know, when we started the journey, it was all about uh, you know bitcoins, uh, which in 2013 most people had barely heard of. Uh, we heard about it and thought it was interesting and said the best way to kind of learn about this technology is to start a company. We started this company uh, and it's been an interesting journey since. Um, and uh, you know, my past background's been mostly in the tech, uh, doing various other startups in uh, networking, big data, and the like. Thank you. So we're talking about digital transformation tonight, right? So how about we start from the, so one of the things we do with the podcast try to be as generic as possible with our discussion. So I want to try to see if we can do the same thing here tonight. Why don't we start with the, just the overall discussion about digital transformation. Why is that still a thing in 2019? So it's a great question, right? So why is blockchain sort of interesting and, and why did we find it interesting in, in connecting into this, this topic of uh, you know, digital transformations? Sort of what Murat uh, was mentioning it earlier, what Bitcoin actually allowed was it allowed the concept that two people who are completely strangers, unknown to each other, can exchange value on the internet without any other intermediary at all present. Uh, and all they're trusting uh, is a bunch of you know, data related to mathematics. Um, and, uh, and the validity of this data is uh, proved by the data itself, the, the, uh, the signatures in the data. Uh, now, this basically means that, uh, you know, if you, if you look at a lot of the industries that uh, the panel uh, was talking about, financial industry uh, is one of the examples of the industries that can be changed by this concept. Uh, if you can think of industries in which there are vast amounts of intermediaries existing or various steps of manual processes existing uh, in which you have to trust something, uh, you can't trust it, so you have to somehow, someone has to attest uh, for the validity of what you're doing. Uh, these are all industries in which, uh, you know, there's some manual processes exist today. Uh, human beings have to actually reconcile data sets, uh, have to make an attestation about the correctness of something they're submitting to a regulator, uh, something they're you know, using to, uh, you know, create, you know, in the healthcare industry, uh, if you're, you know, applying for the FDA process. Uh, you know, various attestations have to be made by people uh, that all the steps have been, pro uh, have been done correctly. And in, in many of these cases, we know uh, a large pharma company consists of tens of thousands of people. They're not all scientists. There are quite a few scientists. 
but many of the people are actually responsible for you know validating the clinical trials, you know verifying this data, uh, submitting this data onto uh, you know uh, you know various regulatory bodies, getting approval. A lot of these processes end up being not fully automated. There's a lot of software and a lot of hardware and a lot of technology in all of them. And Silicon Valley in the last 50 years has built a lot of this stuff. Yet, many, many industries in many, many different segments uh, you know, of the markets and many large Fortune 1000 companies uh, end up having thousands, tens of thousands of people in their operations teams uh, that have many of this workflow intricate steps, the knowledge of it in their head. So when we talk about digital transformations, the idea is to make the the industry or that uh, or that company or that particular segment more efficient can you automate the workflow to be much better can you do this in a far better way can you do it cheaper can you do it faster can you deliver services to your end customer much better so all institutions have been going through a set of transformations how do i use technology and in provide services better cheaper faster this has broadly been called, uh, you know, the digital transformations, in uh, digital transformation, and we believe blockchains, Bitcoin, all of these technologies are about digital transformation. Can I use this technology now to foundationally change the way I'm delivering some of the services that I'm delivering? That's what we're talking about. So, of course, tonight we're talking about blockchain for the most part, but digital transformation could be many different things, right? So it could be from the API perspective, from cloud perspective. Um, what, what do you think uh, blockchain can single-handedly uh, play a role in in this sort of transformation that's unique? Yeah. So the term digital transformation itself is an overloaded term, right? Everybody has heard this term, and in a large enterprise, the word digital transformation is used probably every day thousands of times, maybe tens of thousands of times, right? So, you know, want to be careful about what we are actually talking about here. From our definition standpoint, it's about trying to figure out ways to automate and, and do things better. Um, you know, about 10, 10, 15 years ago, sort of APIs became one of the key part of digital transformation. So, you know, heard about companies like Apigee, um, you know, companies like MuleSoft that, you know, 10 years ago, none of us had heard of. But 10 years later, they're all big, really successful companies uh, that, have became, that became public, uh, they got acquired for billions of dollars, they created vast amounts of value. What did they do? They took enterprise data and enterprise applications that were in legacy models and somehow exposed this functionality directly to probably end clients. Uh, maybe for the reason of you know, bringing it onto the mobile interface, uh, but whatever the end application may be, uh, APIs were one type of digital transformation. And many in industries are working still at enabling all of their internal data be available uh, through some type of API interface. And this journey is ongoing. Uh, now, of course, uh, everyone knows in the last 10 years, cloud is sort of the biggest transformation that's been happening. Uh, many industries, uh, at least that, that Silicon Valley folks are directly involved in, are already huge adopters of cloud, clearly. There are many, many huge industries uh, that have not adopted cloud at all. Financial services industry, which is easily the largest industry in the world, and is the biggest user of technology in the world, and they're amongst the earliest adopter of technology in most areas. High-frequency trading, high-frequency networking, low-latency networking, uh, you know, uh, storage, storage area networks. All of these concepts uh, you know, were actually originally pioneered in the financial services industry. They were the earliest adopters. Yet, 
the financial services industry is a very, very late adopter in cloud. There's a lot of reasons for it without going too much into why they're so slow in adopting cloud. Uh, you know, I'll give you a simple example of why it's hard to adopt uh, you know, cloud in the financial services industry. When you hold an asset in the US, right? You hold the asset in the US, you're bound by US financial laws, and this is good for you because US financial laws and US laws are very well understood. If this data moved to some location, let's say it moved to uh, Singapore for processing, because you outsource this data and your outsource vendor is actually in Singapore. Suddenly that data, which actually represents some financial assets, is under Singapore monetary law. <laughs> Suddenly, the Singapore government actually has jurisdiction over your asset, which is represented by data that moved from here to Singapore, which is something not desirable as a client because I may not know what Singapore law is. Singapore law is actually pretty decent, but you know, if I take you know, some, some business data, create business data, and move it to some other part of the world, uh, you know exactly what that data means and if the data is a financial data it has tax implications It has privacy implications. It has other serious implications uh, that actually affect the meaning of the data in this reason for this particular reason financial industry has been very reluctant to actually moving fully to the cloud They're not moving to the cloud now because it's just legacy technology. There is a part of that that is legacy technology Of course financial industry uses all kinds of technology, right? So this digital transformation in terms of API, cloud, and all of this is ongoing over a long period of time, over the last five years, 10 years, it's been happening. Uh, blockchain, which is the topic that is of interest here to us, is yet another of these digital transformations. And Jordan mentioned the concept of reconciliation. Reconciling means two different data sets don't seem to match. It's a large data set. I have trillions of rows in one and trillions of rows in the other. Some elements are not matching. Why they're not matching? is a hard thing to figure out. You can maybe figure out you know, that they're not matching, but why they're not matching and then trying to fix that is a harder question to kind of solve. And much of the financial industry is about reconciling these small differences because it matters in, in the financial industry uh, that you know, every transaction matters. You want your account to be always correct. You can be approximately correct. You have to be exactly correct all the time. Right, when you log into your account, you don't want to say, hey, once in a while it can be off. 99.5% accuracy is not good enough. 99.9% .9 is not good enough. Strictly 100% is what is good enough. Now, that's a high bar for technologists. All of us know that. Right? All technologies, when you have to make assertions on 100%, it's very hard directly in technology to make it. So what they do is have actually people make that assertion. So they have people actually do manual processes to try and take the thing that technology cannot guarantee for you and make that manual assertion, which makes a lot of the processes highly manual, right? So the idea behind using blockchains is to automate some of these things because now there's mathematics that actually can give you a guarantee. You can trust the data. You can trust why something is saying what it is, and can you use that trust to simplify some of the you know, uh, processes that are going. So that's sort of the digital transformation journey that we're talking about here. So we used to say, we used to have this, this marketing saying, if you will, that said, why rely on data that's probably right, right? <laughs> and, and, and I think it really rings true with regards to blockchain, because probably, you know, maybe true is, is like you said, up to a certain point, probably okay, right. but this is a financial industry, and that's just not good enough, right? right? So I think it's important to put the context of blockchain in real life applications, right? So. 
want to ask you a little bit about who actually ends up using a, a platform like our Uniform platform, and you know, with regards to just day to day, what is it? What is that attestation? I think uh, Murad was the one who brought that up. What does that really get you at the end of the day, right? So, from a business intelligence point of view, um, you know, and we'll talk about operational intelligence which, uh, in just a second. But from a business pers uh, intelligence pr perspective, what do you think is what is it? What is the emotional value, if you will, of blockchain? Yeah. So you know, you know, who is the final user of the kinds of technologies we are talking about here, right? Ultimately, it is people who do daily, you know, work that is involved uh, in in some of these workflows we are talking about. It could be a business analyst who is creating a report for the Federal Reserve in the financial industry. Uh, it could be someone uh, in a pharmaceutical company who's responsible for filing the FDA report. Today, filing the FDA report as a, as in a pharma company is a hugely complex task. When they file an FDA report, uh, it's a big deal. It's a milestone. It's a serious milestone for them because they work tens, hundreds, in some cases, many more people across many different organizations have actually contributed to make that particular FDA filing come true, right? So there's a lot of stuff involved. So at the end of the day, for us, the kinds of users we're talking about are people who are responsible for creating those kinds of reports and submitting those kinds of reports. That is the actual end user or the product we're talking about. In a lot of cases, it could be a business analyst, it could be an operational analyst, uh, it could be someone responsible for a regulatory filing, it could be uh, someone responsible for creating a PNL, it could be someone in the financial industry, uh, someone who could be a controller who's responsible for creating uh, you know, financial statements, it could be someone in treasury who's responsible for managing the company's uh, foreign exchange hedging. Um, you know, and things like that. Those are the kinds of people we're talking about who are actually users of this kinds of technology we're talking about. So, you know, when it comes to business intelligence, typically we're talking about historic data. But with operational intelligence, that's a little bit different, isn't it? It's being able to make decisions on real-time events that have significant difference. You know, you mentioned uh, exceptions a second ago, when things go wrong. I think there was a paper we found not too long ago that said, typically in financial institutions, there's roughly about a 2% exception rate, and that could translate, in, translate into billions of dollars worth of costs. And so it's not a small amount. Um, so is in your mind, and I know people talk about blockchain being sort of the solution to everything, which is clearly not the case, it solves a very specific type of trust problem. From a real-time perspective, what are really uh, what are the expectations there? I think that probably ring true. Yeah. So you know, people kind of can say about blockchain versus say traditional BI tools, right? There's all kinds of BI tools that have been produced in the last say 30, 40 years, uh, starting with say spreadsheets. Microsoft Excel is a BI tool, quite clearly. Uh, most, most folks that we work with today uh, are using Microsoft Excel for a majority of their work, right? And uh, uh, they also use other BI tools. They can use all the way from Tableau, they can use Looker, they can use ThoughtSpark, they can use any of the new technologies. Uh, and they can get all kinds of analytics, data, and attestations on the data, right? You can, you can do all kinds of stuff. So foundationally, you know, blockchain-based platforms help you do what we call operational intelligence, which is somewhat different than business intelligence. In business intelligence, you're looking at historical data and then you know, sort of providing lots of different analytics on top of it uh, you know, and, and, and providing uh, the data in various different forms uh, to the uh, end subscriber of this data. Uh, even when BI tools say that they do real time, what they're really meaning is the following, right? So I'm looking at uh, you know, store sales um, you know, of some kind of a, a skew. I'm looking at some clothing. Maybe I'm looking at trouser sales. 
Um, I'm looking at trouser sales for size whatever, 34, 36, uh, 32. I'm looking at trouser sales that are a gray in color. I'm looking at it in a particular zip code. Uh, I'm looking at it for, you know, whatever. Various other criterion that I'm applying and looking at it, right? So BI tool would allow me very quickly to kind of try and understand what is the store uh, you know, performance, compare it against last year, all of this charting BI tools can do. Uh, when BI tools say that they're doing real time, what they're saying is I can get the store information within a microsecond when the store uh, has actually completed its purchase, but the purchase is already completed. The purchase is completed, but now I can get the data almost in near real time and use that to update my charts and give you uh, information on it. In the kind of operational intelligence that, uh, you know, kind of like, like the platforms we're talking about that are blockchain DLT based, uh, there could be a message that comes in. This message says, I have to make a payment from JP Morgan to Wells Fargo because some account holder at JP Morgan wants to transfer some uh, money to some account holder at Wells Fargo. The message has just come to JP Morgan, right? Now, when the message comes in, this message is related to some reason. Why is this money going? This money is going because some asset moved on the other direction. Someone performs some service and, uh, you know, maybe some assets have to move. Maybe some collateral was actually posted for this. Some service was rendered. So this message now is connected to all kinds of other events that have happened. So in operational intelligence, you're taking this real-time stream and connecting it to all existing historical data and creating what we call a knowledge graph. This is called event lineage. And much of the idea in blockchain is actually trying to figure out end-to-end -end what is this transaction about. I'm actually being able to find the relationship in the transactions and trying to make sense out of them. Rather than just running analytics on tables of data now, now you're connecting all of these events together, creating some kind of a knowledge graph, and then trying to run analytics. Now the type of insights you're getting are about you know, what we call data integrity. It could be correctness of the data, it could be completeness of the data, it could be consistency of the data. Is it consistent across all the applications? Uh, is it complete? Do I have all of it? And is it correct? And the processes that generated this data, how can I prove that they're correct? How do I know that the data itself is correct if I don't know how the process ran? And what can I make a decision about the process itself? So in operational intelligence, the kind of applications we are all talking about for reconciliations, for applications that involve automation uh, or about things like that. If I'm the user, how do you know it's really me? That's the idea of this whole self-sovereign identity. How do you know it's me? How are they making that decision today? They're making it simply with username, password, and the fact that you know you typed in six numbers from a cell phone, right? And is that good enough? Uh, is that okay for actually making a billion dollar payment? Is it okay when you have to make something else that's mission critical? Is it actually enough? Is it sufficient? And is it correct? How do I know? How do I know that all of this is correct? That this wasn't hacked? That th this is all correct? And in many cases, this attestation is important. And the kind of operational ideas and using kind of blockchain-like technologies is about can you make such attestations easier, faster, simpler without having humans being involved in those steps and processes? That's sort of the basic idea. Uh, I love this saying in security. They say security is always excessive until it's not enough, right? So it's one of those cases. Um, but, you know, we talked about blockchain. I uh, want to briefly talk about DLT as well. Um, clearly, the two are related. Um, we, and I'd love for you to kind of clarify on this, but we have a, a very unique view about how this should all work and this sort of inner institutional sort of DLT model 
and what it would take to really uh, reap the benefits of what that would potentially offer. Yeah, so you know, there's sort of multiple steps, right? Every institution safeguards its own data. Its data, it's in internal databases, applications, in, in various different places. Uh, somehow you have to get to a unified trust model on that. Uh, you know, uh, Jeremy earlier in a panel was talking about different divisions inside a company sometimes struggling to, uh, you know, agree to, uh, you know, the, the quality of the work that another division does and therefore set up manual processes to verify. Like, and this is classic, right? Uh, you know, uh, you know, a CFO traditionally uh, would not trust data from somebody else. Uh, before the CS CFO makes their final company financial projections uh, or submit any kind of SEC reports, he's going to double check everything again, right? So there is a manual process involved uh, in there. The CFO organization will, will double check everything that each of the divisions have sent uh, before they're actually submitting because the stakes are high, right, uh, in it. So from our standpoint, you know, internally organizations first have to get their own data in order and have to have tools that automate help and, and provide that type of, you know, trust, uh, you know, in their own data. Subsequently, when organizations interact with each other, if they can trust their own data, then they can interact with each other. So the idea behind what's called DLT is the ability to sort of set up networks of participants could be permissioned, uh, you know, maybe, uh, you know, I'm Walmart, I'm bringing all my suppliers in, and we're all going to exchange information, and we're going to share some information with each other that's relevant, and uh, because we're all sharing all the same data, we can trust the data better. Uh, but keep in mind, you know, for the DLT to work, and the blockchain to work, each institution should have guaranteed the accuracy of its data itself first. That's the garbage in, garbage forever, right? And, and that... Uh, Daniela was articulating earlier. So, you know, how do institutions first guarantee their own accuracy of their own data, their own data integrity, their own process integrity? Unless they have figured out ways to automate and, and guarantee their own data, there is no way they can interact with a third-party institution and actually say the transactions between us, uh, the uh, data between us is all correct. Uh, you know, you can't unless you can actually make that attestation yourself for your things. And, uh, and so, you know, our view on it is that you know, this adoption of this technology appears fairly slow, uh, primarily because, you know, sometimes people have jumped in very quickly and are trying to set up very complex networks. Um, and they try and do some of these trials, and in a trial you're doing one transaction, uh, and in real life there's millions, billions of transactions going on, uh, and then they realize their own internal data isn't actually quite ready for such a trial. Um, and so many of these experiments have slowed down. Uh, so our approach has been mostly what we call the inside-out approach. You have to digitize the organization before you can digitize the workflow between organizations. If you try and say it's outside-in, you know, you can have some success, but it's going to be modest uh, because the organizations are not ready for digitization themselves. Uh, how can they digitize their external workflows? So that's sort of our, our thinking. And DLT is primarily used as the mechanism for the outside-in model. How do institutions digitize their workflows between each other? Um, we're in Silicon Valley, so of course everything is either revolutionary or disruptive, right? Um, the, probably the hottest topic today is, aside from blockchain, of course, we all know that, is AI. Sure. And I think I get asked this question a lot, what's the relationship there, what's the future like? So 
Yeah. Yeah, I think I think uh, you know many people have already highlighted this, so I don't want to belabor the point. But the idea has been that you know uh, AI, uh, machine learning, all of this is about you know you know more efficiencies, more automation, uh, you know providing that greater customer experience, whoever the customer is. Uh, whether it's an end customer or whether it's a, uh, an enterprise customer, making the customer experience significantly better. Uh, in all of these cases, AI, machine learning, all of them are about models that run on data. So if your foundational data and the processes that generated the data, uh, you can't guarantee the accuracy of them, uh, then AI and machine learning can't actually do that. In many cases, uh, the data in an enterprise is not just in, in, in some databases, it's actually in the heads of people, uh, it's in their emails, it's in their text messages. Uh, the, context, the contextual information to data is not just in, in one single system. Uh, so you can't apply AI or machine learning, you can't apply uh, you know, the greatest technology that Google has open source, TensorFlow, uh, and say, uh, I'm going to apply TensorFlow on, on this database uh, and I'm going to get all the insights. Uh, some of the insights are just not there in that, in that, in that, in that set that you're looking at. Uh, for you to kind of come up with the, the, the next great, uh, you know, uh, you know uh, automation. Uh, that is actually outside of it. So now how do you connect all of these together? How do you test the uh, accuracy of what you've actually done to doing that? So that's sort of the, 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 the link between the two, uh, where we believe data integrity greater and greater would lead to more uh, AI and machine learning adoption. So there's a, there's, a, there's a connection between AI and blockchain there. But again, guys, thank you so much for taking the time. Um, uh, if you have any questions, please feel free. You can find us on Twitter. Uh, any questions, comments, we'd love to hear about it. Uh, but thank you, and I'll turn it over to Vatican. Thank you.